Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm actually, now. You're I'm actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hate no Mr. Chad. You know, yeah, got to something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Yes, sir. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy stuff. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad Sorry for the outburst there. I don't know if you heard me laughing. Uh, that often happens when I'm going through my Facebook timeline. Saw something pretty funny there. Would love to share it with you folks, but we don't have that kind of program. And nevertheless, it is another Football Friday edition. The Gridiron Stud Show, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. We're here to talk some college and pro football here with you for the first hour. And then I'm going to talk some high school football in the state of Florida in the second half of this show. Uh, Emil, we have a we have a very tough uh, high school football division down here in the county of Dade, where we have uh, like uh, this five teams in the district, four teams in this district are going to make it to the playoffs, and it's very serious business. And all of these schools can tout um, a good amount of NFL talent: Norland High School, Central High School, Northwestern High School, Carroll City High School. All currently have NFL players. Hey, um, even I know those names up here in the north. Even I know those those high schools. Yeah, very proud traditions, very tough. And then we had an upset, if you could say that, last night. So we're going to be talking about that in the second half of this show. You know who's upset this morning? Uh, it might be Joe Flacco. He might be throwing up this morning, concussed. Uh, we all saw it last night. Everyone's dismayed. Uh, everyone's up in arms about it. I'm going to have a quick thought about this, Emil, and I know you want to talk about it a little longer uh, the NFL has gone out of its way to protect the quarterbacks in this league. I get it. I understand it. Uh, the league sees them as the lifeblood. Uh, you you got to have quarterbacks, I guess, make this whole thing go. That's why people watch the game, so on and so forth. So you're protecting them in the pocket. Joe Flacco last night left the pocket, went on his own mission, and tried to get a first down. And what's the defense supposed to do? It's trying to stop you from scoring, getting yardage, getting things that are important like first downs. And that's what they're trained to do. And Kiko Alonso 
um, is doing what linebackers do. They defend their territory and their turf, and here's a quarterback who's left the pocket. And um, I'm not here to let you get a first down and score. We're already down, what was it? Twenty to nothing, fourteen. No, it was thirteen. That was that was gonna make it twenty, and then and then that game kind of just sat at twenty until the fourth quarter, yeah, uh, which turned into an abject disaster. And I'm not trying to let you get any extra yards. So you know what, Joe, you're super protected um, in in your house in the pocket. When you leave, now you belong to me. And if you're trying to explain the the rule, I think I think what you're missing is even the bigger point. I mean, they're protected in the pocket because, in essence, you know, the thought is you're defenseless. You know, like a punter, you're throwing a football, and you know, as you're letting go of it, there's no way for you to really defend yourself from a hit. That said, when you leave the pocket. These guys are 6'5", 240, 250. They're anything but defenseless. I mean, so. Exactly. Um, you know, and then Deion Sanders at halftime brought up a good point. Um, there was a situation with Brett Hundley in the game where he was darting for the sidelines and looked like he was going to go out of bounds and then turned it up and got a whole bunch of extra yards. I mean, that could cost you well, a football Well, you know, there's bigger things going on here. And this goes back to what I keep harping on, harping on. You know, these guys are, are cannibalizing themselves. In the NFL, with the way they're, they've allowed people who know nothing about football to not only have an opinion, because opinions are like our rear ends. We all have an opinion. That's fine. But they're actually taking the opinion as valid. I mean, I have Yahoo as my homepage. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm a Yahoo. But some of the articles that come up, you know, the horrifying hit. I watched it. I watched it three times. I slowed it down. He slid. He slid literally maybe three-quarters of a second before Alonzo comes crashing in. I don't think people at home realize, and I don't care what sport you're playing, football, basketball, going to catch a fly ball in baseball, things are moving fast. I mean, it's just like two outfielders running into each other. They're both going full tilt. You're moving fast. It's not like you're sitting at home on your couch going, hey, man, these two guys are going to run into each other. Well, it's the same thing in football. I mean, this guy's going to make a tackle. He's moving at as fast as he can. This six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound man slides. There's no way to stop that train. It left the station. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, once they've decided that they're going to hit you, that's pretty much it. You know. So, um, you know, I I get that whole thing. Um, and you know, of course, but when do you fans get it? Do, down, does the average Joe, Chad, does the average guy at home that's horrified by these hits, or I should say, maybe it's not the average guy because the average guy at home is probably somebody like us. Maybe it's the new age millennial fan worried about their fantasy football team. Do they really understand what you're saying? I mean, you get it. I get it. Probably most of our audience who are hardcore fans. I don't get know. It. I'm not the. I'm not the average guy. Um, I, a lot of the people that I talk to don't seem to have a problem with it, but um, I would also say that in a lot of the kind of people I know probably um, are, are, are typical NFL fans. You know, so I don't know. The league has gone out, and we talked about this countless times on the show, the league has gone out of its way to increase its viewership, get a bigger piece of the pie, and as I always say, steal uh, people out of the room's um, on the channel dial. So, uh, you know, I always call the Bravo channel people. But so they've they've gone out of their way. They've even gone overseas. We've got a, yet another London game this week. Um, and, and they're grabbing people from all over, and now you're going to get opinions from all over. And that's just what we're going to have to deal with going forward. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. Did you see the look on his face? By the way, I had a look on my face like that once or twice in my life. One time I ran into a fence 
full tilt in a baseball game. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know what my look was. I was only told later when everybody realized I was all right when I went to the hospital. And they said, man, the look on your face. I have to imagine that's what I looked like. Because I watched Flacco and he had this look like, where the hell am I? Um, That's the kind of look you're going to have when you get rammed in the head by a linebacker. Yeah. That's just the typical look that you're going to have. But, um, you know, I don't – I. Uh, I don't know what to say on that. I hope, you know, this has been, what is this, two weeks in a row. Uh, we had the thing last week with, with Aaron Rodgers getting slammed outside of the pocket on his shoulder. And then, you know, some folks uh, suggested perhaps there should be a rule change. And now we've got this thing uh, this week. I mean, is this what we're going to do every week? When no, because I'm going to end up being right, and you're going to have to call me one of these years and say, I can't believe years ago you told me that was going to happen and it actually happened. I'm telling you, there's going to be a point where there's Velcro on those football pants for the quarterback, and they're going to be pulling a flag when they come around the corner. Well, I hope I'm dead and buried by the time that happens because it's going to be <laughs> difficult for me to watch um, you know, any kind of It's only a matter of time. Matter. Somebody's going to come up with a genius idea. They're going to go, yeah, you know. We really don't want them to get tackled anyway. <laughs> Please don't I'm depress me. Please don't depress me on this football Friday edition. Here's what's on my mind. Um, listen, it's it was at first it might be funny, you know, early in the season I was having a little fun with it. Yeah, I come on every Sunday and then Monday and watch the uh, Twitter meltdown with all of the fan bases that want their coaches fired, but it's just gotten completely ridiculous. And uh, the thing too is that it it seems it tends to boil over to a point where decision makers may actually be paying attention to the noise by the quote unquote fan base on Twitter. And I'm really starting to wonder what percentage of the fan base are the people who are yelling and talking and shouting loud on Twitter for their coaches to be fired. It's ridiculous. And when you think about this, think about where Brian Kelly was a year ago. All right. Four and eight. Your team was not very good. You were at the end of the plank. You had a gun in the back of your head. They were handing you a cigarette. You were blindfolded. You were shot. You were dead. Now, you know what, Emil? I watched Notre Dame last week. They've got a damn good football team. That's a pretty good oh, football you, team. Well, That's yeah, they, they, they can run the That's football. They've got football. an NFL yeah. back back there. Couple, couple a couple NFL caliber offensive team. linemen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're a team that went out, which they most certainly can do, will be in the college football playoff. We all know Notre Dame will not, a one loss by one point, Notre Dame team will not be denied uh, a trip to the 14 playoff. And you know what? Watching them, I can't sit here and say it's one of these typical years where they're, oh, you know, they love Notre Dame. They're gonna, no, this is a good football team. And to think about where they were last year and everyone wanted this guy fired, this could probably be the case at a lot of places. You notice the noise has been turned down on Kevin Sumlin. After a couple of wins, they may very well return to form um, and and end up with four or five losses on the season. But it's just, uh, I guess, call me old school. I, I, I did grow up in the era like you where uh, coaches coached for 20 years, 15, 20 years at the respective schools. And you just endured a couple of back-to-back three or four loss seasons or maybe even a five-loss season. I do remember the great Jimmy Johnson having a five-loss season at the University of Miami before all the greatness came out. And you know what, too, sucks. Jimmy Jimmy did it, and I think as fans, we all have to tap the brakes and realize a couple things, you know, because we all have those emotions from time to time. But you got to realize, one, it takes a while, first of all, to put your program in place. And what I mean is the way you're going to do things, 
the type of, of of guys you know you want you want to have with, on in your program. And then another thing is depending on who your coach is. Now in Brian Kelly's case, he's been around, but other coaches who are new to this that got promoted, like a Tom Herman, um, or or you know even better yet, a Clay Helton at USC. They're figuring mm-hmm. out what kind of coach they're going to be. I mean, it 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 takes a while to figure that out. I mean, you know, it's like it's like walking into a new job. You know, you you went from being um, the CFO to the CEO. Well, it's a different mm-hmm. job. I mean, sure, you were, you had a big job. You were the CFO, the offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator. Now you're the CEO. And I think as fans, we sometimes have to say, listen, it's going to take this guy a little while to figure this out. You got to give them a little time to see if they can figure it out. Now, five years down the road, you're not where you want to be, and things aren't changing. Well, then you, maybe you make a change. But you, you can't do it every two years or three years. Yeah, but it's not, it's not even just that, Emil. It's even the guys that are established. You get in, you, you win, you, you, know, you do all that. You give them everything that they want. You, know, you win a national championship or you play for one. Uh, maybe you crank out a Heisman Trophy winner. Or, you st- or you're putting guys in the pros, and you've had a certain amount of success things start to happen, okay? Um, people come after your coaches. Your assistants uh, become coordinators. Sure. Your coordinators become head coaches. Um, sometimes you don't, you, you don't, for whatever reason, get – you miss on a quarterback or a couple of quarterbacks. So you don't have Deshaun Watson anymore. You don't have Vince Young anymore. You don't have Jameis Winston. You don't have Tim Tebow. You don't have those guys in your program, and it might take you – a couple cycles to get another guy like that back into your program. And if it's not a quarterback, it might take you a while to get another Adrian Peterson or a Dalvin Cook. Well, wait, or, let me throw this you know, out at you. You talked about 20, 30 years ago we grew up. I mean, I've said this for a while. You know, it, it may not be quite at the NFL level, but the parity in college football is as great as I've ever seen it. And I'll give you two games this year that just, you know, 30 years ago probably don't happen, okay? There's no way – a team the quality of Syracuse back in the day was beating a Clemson, okay, with, with, with NFL athletes all over the place. That just happened. We saw Iowa State walk into Oklahoma as a 30-point underdog and pull their pants down. I mean, you have a, a diff- it's a different era in college football. You've got to get used to the fact that a lot of times you can lose to almost anybody on your schedule, especially in conference. And it's harder to be, you know, like fans want your team to be 12-1 and one every year. Those days, other than Alabama, are pretty much over, I think. Yeah, well, you just said the key word there, and that's what is upsetting and destroying the minds of the fan bases, and that's Alabama, because they're just so dominant and they come out every year. Listen, you can't compare your program to that. And we don't yet know exactly what is going on there, what has happened there. I mean, we, we just don't know. But everyone wants to compare their program and their head coach to Alabama and Nick Saban, and that's just destroying people. And it might might be specifically in the SEC starting there, but then trickling down to everywhere else. Well, Saban, Saban is special, and I think the only way we're ever going to be able to really look at this Alabama period of time in proper perspective is when Saban walks away and we see who follows him and what happens. My guess is, of course, they'll still be pretty good because they're Alabama, but my my all my second guess is they won't be anywhere near what they are right now under Saban, which tells you how special Saban has been there. Oh, and yeah, no no doubt about it. So uh, you can't really go comparing your program and your coach to Alabama and Nick Saban. I did ask this question on Twitter. It was very interesting, um, some of the responses. But 
Um, I'm kind of like this right now where, with, with respect to coaches. Um, there's no loyalty from the fan bases. There's no loyalty at all in, at any level in sports. The players to the coaches, the coaches to the players, administration to the coaches, the, the, the fan base to the, to, the, to the coaches. There's just no loyalty anywhere. And, and as such, if I'm a young coach, uh, I'm in my 40s, I'm a head coach now, and I get a job and I get in there and I, I produce a Heisman Trophy winner and uh, a national champion, I'm definitely getting out. I'm definitely getting out. I'm definitely going to leave with my Heisman Trophy. Uh, I, I will say that. I would agree with you, except for as you and I covered down one show a few years ago. I think there's eight to ten blue blood programs that you can hang out at and win for a long, long time just because you have a pipeline. So once you get it going, you can Name just them. keep it going. But but other than that, I agree with you. Who? Uh, you know, the only well, person I've really seen hang around, okay, and produce what it is I'm talking about is Pete Carroll at USC. I'm not going to say Alabama because they just they don't have Heisman Trophy type quarterbacks. They win well, even Pete couldn't keep it going. Listen, Pete, here's the problem with out there, okay? And that's why I've always felt like as even though USC is a blue blood program, I've always felt the USC coaching gig is about ten years max. Uh, John McKay, I think he got there in 1964. And I want to say he left after the 75 or 76 season to go coach the Tampa Bay Bucks. And John McKay, for those of you who don't know John McKay, is one of the all-time greatest. Uh, he got there in 60, excuse me. Uh, one of the all-time greatest coaches ever in college football. Go look at his records. The guy won four national championships. Okay, And, and he was long at USC, and he might have been 15, 16 seasons. It's a hard place to coach, Miami, USC, because you and I have talked about it. There's a lot of distractions. So when you stay there a long time, you're, you're not only coaching a football program, you're trying to keep your eye on 100 kids because they're in Miami or they're in L.A. Okay? That's not True. hard. True. I mean, uh, but you said, there's these, they, you, you, you said they're blue blood programs. What are they? Is it Georgia? I think you can hang out at Alabama and win consistently. I think you can hang out at Amo, cut that out of there. LSU, they ran less miles out. Georgia, they ran George Rick out. It looks like they want to run Jimbo Fisher out of Florida State. But they're uh, they the tier below what I'm saying is blue blood. That you and I have defined blue. I think Ohio State, if you get it going at Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio, and you know, you got the pipeline, I think you can hang out there and win for a long time. Because I again I just think it's what do you mean win? the right Amel. Emil, I'm going to say this to you again. Once you win a national championship, they're not accepting two and three losses in a season. They're not going to allow it to happen. They're going to lose their mind. So win for a substantial amount of time, that might be the case, but the fans are just not going to put up with back-to-back seasons of nine and three if you've won a national championship and and had a Heisman Trophy candidate there. They're just not going to – look at what – they won Harbaugh out. Now, granted, he hasn't had a Heisman Trophy candidate – um, and has not won a national championship. They want Jim Har- Harbaugh out. They wanted Hoke out. Jim Harbaugh's there. He, uh, he's, he's a legend as a quarterback at the school. They've been, I don't, I got to use this word, highly competitive at Michigan. They want him out. Well, I think, it, I think out. it's actually hysterical that, you know, the Michigan fan base, who, who is never short on, on arrogance and the Michigan man and all that crap, I, I think it's hysterical they forget. Rich, the Rich Rod era and the Brady Hoke era. Hey, let me, let me bring you into reality here, Michigan football fans. You got 11 national titles, okay? After 1925, I think it was. You know how many you got of those 11? 
two, okay? You've got two, 1948 and 1997 when, when uh, Michigan and Nebraska split it, and rightfully so that year. So my point is you've got two national titles since the mid-1920s. Have they done a lot of winning? Sure. But how many Big Ten championships does Michigan have right now since, since they went to this format? I think two. I mean, I know. I, I mean, mean it's you're not, not going to get me to argue against it. A lot of these places have lost their minds. Like, what do you expect anyway? What, what exactly is it that you want from these coaches? Well, look um, at the conference. Look at the division Michigan's in, first of all. They're in a division with their arch rival, Ohio State. Penn State's always been a great football program. They're coming back. Michigan State's always been a really good program. And, and you know, he may not have that program necessarily exactly where he wants it right now, but that's a really good football program. I mean, you're in a division. I mean, if you win that once every three or four years, you're doing good. You've been watching what's going on with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State? Oh, what did yeah. I, I mean, what yeah. did I say, Emil? What did I say? That the man should have left with Jameis Winston. Okay, you got a little bit more mileage with uh, Dalvin Cook, a once-in-a-lifetime uh, a, a once back, a one-of-a-kind with that back. I really still, though, even though Dalvin Cook was there, you should have left with Jameis Winston. You should have done what Urban Meyer did with Tim Tebow, what I said uh, Mac Brown should have done with Vince Young. Um, and now he's got this issue. And I'm telling you, don't get shocked, folks, if the next one's Dabo Sweeney. Deshaun Watson, once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, is out of the program. Um, I don't know if you're going to be in the playoff this year, let alone win a championship, and just let's watch how things are going to turn up there at Clemson. But uh, have you been paying attention to Tallahassee? Oh, yeah. Listen, I've said I could send people out of their mind up here. All I need to do is throw it up on social media. But there's rumors out there, and, you know, they're rumors. So this, at this point, they're unsubstantiated. But that Texas A&M has their sights, if they get rid of someone, on James Franklin. And I'm telling you right well, now. I've heard that. If I'm James Franklin and I get anywhere near that playoff this year and I'm 11 and 1 or 12 and 1 and Barkley's leaving, I'm saying goodbye Happy Valley and hand me that 8 million a year down in down in a Texas Station because uh College Station because I'm telling you right now he's got a generational player there. I don't think Penn State fans realize Barkley is and Ezekiel Elliott. This kid's a stud. He masks a lot of problems on the Penn State offensive line. If you watch a lot of Penn State games, trust me, a normal running back, <laughs> there's guys in the backfield a lot of times. It's not yeah. a great offensive um, yeah. line. You have a Heisman Trophy candidate, probably the Heisman Trophy winner um, there. And without him, listen, I don't want to take anything away from James Franklin. No, they're having a good year. I'm not. Yes. But you know what? And this, and listen, you got to stay mobile in this college football coaching game in this day and age. Stay mobile until you get to the end. And when you're saying, "Hey, if I get fired from this one, I'm I'm okay with retiring. I'm okay with calling this." My or last you go to job. the NFL. That's your other option. You know, you say, "Okay, I've had enough of this college thing. I'm going to go do the NFL. I'm going to get my big money for five or ten years, and I'm going to go, you know, be on TV, something like that." Yeah. Um, essentially, you know, you're going to be retiring from college football, whatever the case may be. So let's right. say you get that you get that job, and you're saying, okay, this is going to be the last job for me. And you're in there for four or five years, and things are going great. And you get another five out of it. All right, I'm I'm coaching past the the time that I th- I'm going to ride this thing for as long as I can. And then when it comes to the end, and they force me out, okay, now I'll go um, I'll go in the booth. Or, you know what, I'll just go retire and get on the tractor, me and Brett Favre, and we'll go cut circles 
in some grass somewhere. And sell but razor blades. He sells a lot of those those razor blades that are cheap that work good. Razor yeah. blades and knee sleeves in for you. Yes. You know, over the. By the way, there's a gorilla. Away. There's a gorilla or an elephant in our room because we're. I know you're going to breaks so and we got to discuss it. Let's get it out of the way. As good as we were, because we're going to talk about football in a few minutes. As good as we were two weeks ago. The elephant in the room. Tell them about our weekend last week. How do we, we do that? was probably the worst in the history of the show, by the way. We regressed to the mean um, in, the, in the most spectacular We were 1-11, well, we guys, with our picks. 1-11. Yeah, now, the week before, we were 10-2. 10-2. 10-2. 1-11. 1-11. We had one winner between the two of us. The only one is I went out and said Penn State was going to wax Michigan. I kind of figured on that two-week bye with a revenge angle, Penn State would win the game. But everything else was an abject disaster for the both of us. Yes, burn it all down. Throw the whole baby away. All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to clean up that record and talk college football and put some picks in here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! All right, we're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Short break. Emil, you know what I noticed uh, during the break? What'd you notice? We need more advertisers here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So uh, if you're out there listening and you own a business, contact me now, C. Wilson at gridironstuds.com. Again, email C. Wilson at gridironstuds.com. Or if you're following me on Twitter and I happen to be following you, you can send me a message. Find out now how to get your ad uh, heard on the Gridiron Stud Show. We've got a great listener base. Um, I've been told they got a lot of money and they're willing to spend it at businesses. So contact me now and we can get you up and running right here, right now as a sponsor on the Gridiron Stud Show. All right, now that we got that housekeeping out of the way, let's talk about what we got on tap uh, this weekend. Of course, there's the big game, Ohio State and Penn State. Do you have a pick on that one? We could jump right into that and then hit all the others. Uh, well, I do have a pick on it. Um, I think, I think uh-huh. it can be a- well, 
I, without, without giving away without giving away the side I was on, and nobody knows what side I'm on because last week I was all over Penn State. I mean, I'm not a Penn State homer. Everybody who watches the show, I'm a USC homer, but <laughs> but um, I think this is an interesting game. I mean, last year there's a lot of animosity between these two programs. Uh, with with you know Penn State upsetting Ohio State, I think it kind of put a little bit of a cloud on the Ohio State season last year because they ended up in the playoff, and there was the argument, should they have been there? They didn't even win their division, yada, yada, yada. So uh, you have a pick on this game? Hey, man, I do. So I don't even know why I brought this up. Let's talk about tonight. How about that? Uh, Florida State, Boston College. Emil, I had this one circled on the calendar for a while. Don't laugh. I did. Uh, it's a Friday why? night game on the road. And uh, Boston College has been a little bit of a pain in the rear end for Florida State. Um, even in the good years. And now this is not a good year, um, as evidenced no. by Jimbo Fisher wanting to mix it up with a fan last week. That would indicate that the season's not going all that well. And Boston College is a dangerous football team. Um, things That's are going well. That's a tough well place to play, by the way. I, I've been there a couple of years ago. I went up when uh, USC played there, and they got upset coming off a win against Stanford. Um, Boston College beat them in a pretty good game, 38-31. It's a small venue. I think it fits about 40,000, 45,000. The fans are right on top of the field. Yeah, I, play, I um, played a game there, so I, yeah, I know the yeah. deal. Yeah, tough. I mean, people are laughing when I say, I mean, you probably, not you, but there's probably people who think I'm being sarcastic, and I'm not. You know the deal, right? It's a tough place to play. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and, and, and this Boston College team is good. Perfectly capable, Emil, of um, – Getting the upset tonight, I don't have a pick on this game, but I would be going with Boston College uh, with Florida State as greater than a field goal favorite in this game. I don't know how you feel about it. I just oh, think I think I think uh, I would agree. I would agree with you. I think they're a live dog. I don't. I don't think there'll be a ton of points in this game. I think it's going to be a defensive type game. So in that kind of a game, if you're getting five points, five and a half points, whatever that number is right now. Typically, you like to take the underdog if you don't feel there's going to be a lot of points, and I really don't feel like there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Um, you know, I might have said that in the past. You never know. Boston College has been about all about defense in the past, and they've found points hard to come by. But, Emil, the last two games, 41-10 at Virginia, 45-42 at Louisville, um, they've, found the, they've found the offense bug the last few weeks, which well, also does I not think this well. is more a product of me feeling that Florida, believe it or not, I think the points are harder to come by for Florida State in this game, which is why I don't think you'll see footballs flying all over the place. I'm not sure they necessarily trust their quarterback right now, and I, I would think on the road, if you're Florida State, you're going to want to lean on on your defense, which is still decent. You know, I mean, their their, their defense is still pretty good, pretty solid. And so I don't, if anything, I'm thinking low scoring because I think Florida State's going to play it that way. I just don't think they trust their quarterback on the road here. All right, let's think disaster here. Emil, if, if Florida State ends up a 4-7 and seven football team this year, which is not out of the question. Hell no. What happens with Jimbo Fisher? Well, I think he's in the same. I, th- I think the, the the pot starts to boil, but I still think he ends up in the same spot as Brian Kelly last year. I mean, he comes back and gets another shot to fix it because, you know, the guys want a national champion. Are you aware of his buyout? Uh, what the, what are the terms of his buyout? I am not. Thirty nine million dollars. I'm gonna say it again. Thirty nine million. You mean if he leaves, or they can buy him out for thirty nine million? If he's put out of there. 
Oh, you mean his severance? If they fire him, they have to pay him thirty-nine million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, he isn't getting fired. No, they're not writing a check for thirty-nine million after one bad year. It just isn't going to happen. The guy's won a national championship. Now he might have to put up with a lot of crap from that fan base, but he's going to be in the same boat as a Brian Kelly. He's going to come back and he's going to get a chance to fix it. And let's face it, let's be honest. The year hasn't gone great for them in terms of luck. I mean, first of all, he's got Alabama on the schedule to open the season. Fine. Then he loses his quarterback. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have won a few more ball games with just the talent they have, but my God, it's not like things are breaking perfectly for him this year. Yeah, and and Amol, you know, this goes back to what I'm saying. The fan base is on his neck. The guy delivered you a national championship, got you in another college football playoff. You beat Michigan. You had a national. You had a Heisman Trophy winner. You had another Heisman Trophy candidate. Doesn't he have enough in the bank? You would hope. I mean, you could do. I think people find out in short order. You know, you you better be careful what you wish for because when you get rid of a good football coach, you don't always end up with another good football coach. I mean, they ran Les Miles, the Mad Hatter, out of LSU. And while the jury's still out, uh, you know, on LSU this year, I mean, they've seemed to turn it around. I mean, I still watch the team have Troy walk into, you know, their home field and beat them. And I, I, I'm not sure I ever remember Les Miles losing a home game to Troy. Okay, so be careful what you wish for. I wonder if Jimbo would take the LSU job if it was being offered to him at the end of this year. Well, he 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 may and and if that's the case that that's maybe a negotiated deal where you know both sides are happy where you know he says I can stay here and you know you're going to owe me 39 million if you ever want to get rid of me but I want to go to LSU and I don't want to pay my buyout whatever that is maybe a couple million bucks in a lot of these deals the coach has to pay to leave and maybe they just negotiate an amicable split I don't know I mean that may happen yeah, uh, something obviously everyone's going to be watching here for the for the remainder of this season. Let's talk about another team in the state of Florida. It's the University of Miami, um, undefeated. Um, things are going awesome. Things are going great. Uh, you just won a couple of really, you know, tough fought, hard fought football games. Georgia Tech, actually three in a row. Florida State, tough. Won it in the final seconds. Uh, same thing with Georgia Tech. Then you had another tough one against Syracuse where you needed some stops at the end. You have Notre Dame next week. This week you're traveling to North Carolina. You're a big 20-point favorite. Is this Wait, a they, don't they have game? Virginia Tech next week? Is, or am I Sorry, wrong? Virginia Tech, not Notre Dame. Virginia Tech, which is also going to be a very big game. The Tech is playing great ball, and it's a, it's a conference game. Is this North Carolina game dangerous for the Hurricanes? I'll tell you in a few minutes. I've got to pick on this game. Holy smokes. I go for the I go for the ones the fans that our show are interested in. I know there's a lot of people out there interested in Miami. Uh, I consider no, myself well, listen, a clo- yeah, I, I consider I'll, myself I'll... a closet Miami fan. I have to tell you, mm-hmm. uh, the Florida State game I give them a pass on. It was a rivalry game and they won it. That's all I care about. I've been underwhelmed with their performance the last couple of weeks. So you know we'll see if they write the ship this week. I think you're trying to deke us and go with Miami uh, and the chalk, but whatever. We'll see. Uh, what else is interesting here? Oklahoma State and Virginia. I have a pick on that one. So, oh, West Virginia. You know what? I, I want to see where you go with this. I almost made this a pick. I I just don't like Oklahoma State when they're on the road like this. And I want to hear what you have to say. West Virginia is a lot better, I think, than people thought they were going to be this year. Five and two team. 
traditionally plays well at home. Uh, they have one loss by seven points to Virginia Tech, and I think people don't realize how good Virginia Tech is this year. They're kind of flying under the radar. Their only loss was to a very good Clemson team. Um, and then uh, they lost by seven at TCU. I mean, there's two good football teams that West Virginia lost to by a touchdown. They're home here getting seven points. I almost made that a pick. I want to hear what you do. I like West Virginia in this game. So you'd go against Oklahoma State? You damn Let sure me write I that. would. Let me write, write that right down. You can tell me how I'm damn wrong tootin'. in a few minutes. Damn tootin', the man said. Hey, another damn big tootin'. one. North Carolina State and Notre Dame. Uh, interesting game, considering what Notre Dame did last week. No one's really paying attention to North Carolina State, who Amo could end up being a representative in the, for their half of the ACC in the championship game. Oh, listen, I don't want to play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game, but they're a 6-1 football team, okay? Uh, they have Clemson next week. Uh, th- thank their athletic director for that scheduling, huh? At Notre Dame and then home with Clemson. Uh, their only loss, and I saw this game the first game of the year, they lost by 7 to South Carolina, an improving football team. They held South Carolina under 250 yards of offense while running up over 500 themselves. They had a couple costly turnovers, some breakdowns in special teams, which happened in the opening week. Um, this team could, they lost by seven. This team could easily be undefeated. And this is, a, you know, as you just touted Notre Dame. This is going to be an interesting spot. Because last week I felt, and I told you as a USC fan, I didn't think they'd get beat that badly, but I thought Notre Dame would cover that game. USC was young up front, defensive line, banged up couple starters out. Notre Dame's got a, a couple NFL-caliber offensive linemen there and an NFL running back. It was a bad matchup for USC. This is a, a matchup where this is strength against strength. North Carolina State has a couple dudes on that defensive line that are going to play on Sundays. They give up 90 yards a game running the football, and Notre Dame runs it for 318 yards a game. So it, this is, you know, uh, the force against the immovable object. So I'm, I'm very interested in this game. Um, I don't have a pick on it. I will say this. Uh, that first trip ever into Notre Dame Stadium um, can be intimidating. And a lot of times teams will get wrapped up in that. Uh, if you'll notice, the, the, the programs that make semi-annual trips into Notre Dame will, will, will fare a whole lot better. Um, those non-conference, uh, once-in-a-lifetime teams that come in there sometimes have a problem. And while I think at a neutral site, if this was seven, I'd be probably all over NC State. With this game being in, in South Bend, I'm leaning a little more to Notre Dame. This is going to be a tough first-half game. I just think um, as things go on, uh, Notre Dame's just going to find their way in this contest. Um, I, I can't decide what to do. All I'll say is this. As someone who, as a USC fan, follows Notre Dame because it's a rivalry game, I don't think people understand uh, the USC game is Notre Dame's biggest rival. I mean, they can talk about some of the others they've accumulated over the years, like Michigan State and Michigan and now Stanford. They really, really take the USC game serious. And it's not an animosity game like some of like the Florida State-Miami game. It's more of a respect rivalry and they want to win that game and they won big last week and they spent a week getting some sunshine blowing up their skirts mm-hmm. i want to see how they prepare this week i'll be very interested i really don't know which way to go on this game but i really want, I'm, I'm curious to see 
the focus of Notre Dame? Do they spend the week and forget about USC and move on, or do they spend the first few days of the week, you know, really enjoying that victory too much? Yeah, um, we'll definitely have to take a look at that. Uh, Pac-12 action, UCLA going to Washington. Now, Washington's a huge 17.5-point favorite. Were you surprised by that line at all? No, I expect Washington to really put it on UCLA in this game. They're coming off that, that performance against Arizona State. They scored seven points, which is atypical of, of a Chris Peterson team. I think they probably, my guess is he's a great coach. I think they probably had some really good practices. Um, UCLA is allergic to defense. Uh, they just happened to play an Oregon team last week that uh, without a quarterback is not what, what you expect from Oregon. I think this week uh, you're going to see Washington. Re- I'll be surprised if they don't hit 50 in this game. That's serious. Yeah, you know, Amal, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. I think UCLA might think a little bit too much of what they did and who they are last week, and, and um, Washington's already had their screw-up. So I think of them like Ohio State and everyone talking about the possibility of a Pac-12 missing from the college football playoffs. So they need to be ultra-impressive. They've got UCLA at home, and UCLA – can't stop anyone right now. So um, I tend to agree with you on it. I, I kind of yeah, like they're going to put them over their knee. Like That's what I think is going to happen in this game. They're going to put them right over their knee and spank them. Well, all righty then. Uh, <laughs> Georgia and Florida. Um, I remember this game two years ago where Georgia was a lopsided favorite in this game, much like they are um, this, this time around. I think the spread might have been 12 points, which is huge in this matchup. Uh, once again, we've got Georgia, everyone pulling their coattails here. They're a two-touchdown favorite in this game. And, Amal, I'm, you know, I'm looking at Georgia here, and outside of the Notre Dame win, which, again, you know, I've told you it's impressive if you can go into uh, South Bend and beat a good Notre Dame team. Outside of that, who have they played? Missouri? Nobody, nobody yet. Tennessee's and they really they don't trust their quarterback. That's another team where they're going to try to run the ball. They throw the ball for 170 yards a game. Um, they're going to try to run the ball. I don't expect them to, to, to fill up the airways early in this game for fear of turnovers. My concern here, and I'm sure it's your concern as your son is playing, is can the Florida offense, because Georgia's got a hell of a defense, now again, against whatever competition they've played so far, mm-hmm. can the Florida offense do enough to keep their defense fresh in this game? I'm asking the question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody does. No, uh, I don't. I think we'll see something. I think we'll see some new wrinkles offensively. I know that. Um, Florida does get two players back on offense that they didn't have in their last game against Texas A&M. Wide receiver slash Wildcat quarterback uh, Kadarius Toney's back. Um, Tyree Cleveland, the hero of the Tennessee game that caught the big bomb. He was missing against Texas A&M. He's their deep threat. So it gives the offense a little bit more of a different look with, with those two players in it. And I just think with all of the heat that's being put on, uh, on, on Florida's offense in a game like this, this is typically where you might see some totally different things done. That and Georgia, what they do offensively, seems to be tailor-made for what it is Florida likes to do defensively, and that's just been the issue in this matchup. Uh, yes, Mark Richt is gone, but Kirby, Kirby Smart's in the, in the same mold 
um, run the ball. Well, the Florida offense has been a tragedy to that team this year. I mean, there's there's a team no that doubt. could easily be they, – they could be 5-1 and one right now. I mean, the Michigan game, you throw out the opener. They just played poorly. They had a lot of suspensions. They lose two games at home, one point to LSU. The defense gives up less than 350 yards, which in today's college football means you played pretty well. They lose by a point. The A&M game, they hold A&M to 263 yards of offense and lose a game 19-17, and uh, that's shameful. I mean, if you're holding teams to 260 yards in college football, you, you should be winning games. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. So uh, hopefully, um, if you're for Florida fans, you see something different on offense. I tend to think that that might happen, and you know, it might give an early spark, and that's all Florida really needs get an early spark and kind of take Georgia out of the game plan, which is pound, 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 and let the running backs win it. And and then you get timely passing. If you could force them into some situations where they have to throw and they have to trust the young quarterback, then I think Florida can. First down um, is the key in this game for Georgia, for the Florida defense. If you can keep them behind schedule, second and nine, second and eight, you know, force force their quarterback to beat you. Don't let them get in second and five, third and two, where they have the option. You know, get them in some third and five, third and six, third and ten, where where they have to throw the ball. I don't know if they trust this kid yet, and I don't know if you should trust him yet against a good defense. So that's where I think it's first down is going to be really big in this game for Florida. Yeah, that's the big, uh, you know, game within the game that folks need to pay attention to when they watch Florida versus Georgia, 3.30 Eastern time on CBS. CBS. All right, let's talk about our picks. Let's jump into it real quick. You're first, as always, with college football. What are you serving up to the fans this week? It better not be another one and two weekend. Holy Over, smokes. I know, I know. Overall, uh, our, our records for the year of college and pro, I'm 13 and 17. You're 12 and 18. So I said this a few weeks ago when we went good. We got some work to do, so let's get to work, Okay. I'm going to start off with that uh, game you wanted to trick me into picking, the Miami-North Carolina game. I wasn't going to give it away early. Um, This is a game where I'm going to swallow hard, and I'm going to take North Carolina plus 20. Double-digit home underdogs. I thought you were losing it. No, they're like a 65% winning clip, believe it or not, in college football over like a couple decades, okay? Double-digit home underdogs. And here you got Miami off three tough football games. They've got a road game against a terrible North Carolina team. They have a really good Virginia Tech team on deck. My guess is you don't get the full fo- you don't get the full focus of the Hurricanes. And even if they play well, I'm thinking you're seeing starters if they play well leave by the third quarter to keep them fresh. I think the back door's open here. There's a million ways to win this game if you're if you're back in Carolina. I'm going to figure they have some pride. They lost 59-7 to Virginia Tech last week. And people are running away from North Carolina in this spot. I'm going to take them plus 20 points. Man, Amel, they've been so ugly of late. It's just so hard to overlook. 33-7 to at Georgia Tech, 33-10 to Notre Dame. Um, yeah, you fought hard against Virginia 2014. And last week, good Lord, a complete laid out. But I, I, I'm with you. Teams off of losses like that, everyone is, like you said, running away from it. And I, I think there's a, a bad mental spot for the Hurricanes. It is. It's just a tough spot to cover. It was, but how I'm live, be though, more, Emil, how, how live a dog? I think they're live more by Miami's mindset. I'll be impressed. Listen, if Miami covers this point spread after the three football games they just played with what they have on tap next week, if they cover the spread in the road, 
Yeah, would say color so. me really impressed, even though it's a one and six football team. This is a tough spot mentally, and you know everybody's going to run away from the window, either not backing North Carolina or actually taking Miami. And I just have a feeling this is one of those spots that you know Miami goes out workmanlike. Maybe they get a thirty-one seventeen win. I don't know, but twenty points a lot at home. So all I'll right, what do you got? What else you got? I'm going big game hunting next. We got Ohio State, Penn State. Something smells funny here to me. Penn State beat them last year. Penn State won the conference last year. Penn State's off a 42-13 win against Michigan. And I look at the point spread, and I see six and a half. Penn State's number two in the country. Ohio State's number six. That would cause me to take – if I want to take Penn State, I'm going to count on one of the most talented teams in the country here to perhaps lose two games at home in the same season. Don't see it happening. The same situation that's set up for Penn State last week in a revenge angle off a bye when I took them against Michigan is the same situation setting up here for Ohio State. Urban Meyer had two weeks to get ready for this game, and Penn State just played an emotional game against Michigan at home. Now they go on the road. If they win this game, again, another team, you'll you'll color me very impressed if they win outright. I don't even think it's going to be that close. I think the Ohio State defensive line will dominate the Penn State offensive line which had trouble running the ball against Indiana and Northwestern. Check the stats. Um, I like Ohio State minus 6.5. I see them winning this game like 37-20. to 20. All right. What's the last one? Finally, uh, you know, Clemson sat around for about 10 days, and they've stewed over losing that game at home, or on the road, I should say, to Syracuse. They come home. They play a decent Georgia Tech team here. They're given 14 points. Uh, Clemson's got too many athletes on defense to play the way they played against Syracuse. I see that defensive line dominating here, forcing Georgia Tech into long yardage situations. And at the end of the day, that's not Georgia Tech's game. I think Clemson blows out Georgia Tech at home, lay the 14 points with Clemson. All right, recapping it, North Carolina plus 20, Ohio State uh, with six-point favorites there. Like six Ohio and State, six-and-a-half, yep. Clemson minus 14. Okay, um, here's what I've got. We talked about it a little bit. The Big 12 matchup between Oklahoma State and West Virginia. It's on ABC. It's that noon game that you could wake up early for and check out. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I'm not digging Oklahoma State on the road. And I'm just wondering how much I should dig them just in general. But I don't like them in this spot against a West Virginia team who I was not all that high on, uh, if you remember, Emil, coming into the season. I don't remember where I had them picked in the Big 12. It was certainly not to be I think I had them middle of the pack. Was not too impressed with uh, West Virginia coming into the season. I've since changed my mind. They're playing good ball. Um, They're getting an Oklahoma State team. Uh, Sliding into this game, um, I don't know if they're going to be in the right frame of mind. Um, You got a lot of people tugging on them, trying to tell them just how great they are. Um, You're coming off of a win against Texas. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's not your granddaddy's Texas, but it's still Texas. Um, back-to-back road games. I I really like West Virginia in this one. I think things set up perfectly for them. Um, and, and this is a spot where they can kind of make it be known that we're a force in this conference. And I like them getting a full touchdown in this contest. The other one, uh, is the big contest in the big 10 that you picked Penn state, Ohio state. I went against you last week. Um, not doing that here. If there's one thing I know about urban Myers that, very competitive guy. Um, so we saw what happened this year when he lost the game. Everyone else on the schedule had to pay dearly. Um, he lost to this Penn State team last year. And 
Um, Urban just doesn't, he's not, you know, he's not going to lose to you twice. And for as good as Penn State is, they've not been all that great when they've traveled to Ohio Stadium. Last time they were there, it was 38-10. Time before that, 63-14. It's just, this place has been a nightmare for them. And uh, Penn State had to use all type of energy uh, getting getting up, getting ready for, and playing that game last week. I just don't know what if they're going to have what's necessary in the tank to go a full 60 minutes with Ohio State. So I'm with you on that one. I'm going to take Ohio State as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And then again, I'm going to go to the Pac-12. I'm going to give these guys a chance again to, to burn me or to, you know, fix what they did last week. I took Oregon against UCLA. We all know how that turned out. Now they're back home, and they're against a Utah team, Amol, who's lost three straight. And um, I don't know how that makes you a road favorite in this conference against a decent team, but I'm not buying it, okay? Um, something's up with Oregon, I mean with uh, Utah right now. Something's up with these guys. And um, whatever it is, off of three straight losses, and you got completely punched in the mouth at home last week by Arizona State, who's become really good all of a sudden. Um, off of a 30-10 to 10 loss at home to Arizona State, I just don't see how you're a three-point favorite at Oregon, who also comes in with a loss. I think Oregon um, will be highly motivated after last week's fall down and in front of the hometown faithful, even without their quarterback. I think Oregon gets the job done and uh, pulls the upset in this game so against Utah. recap it for us again. you got West Virginia plus seven. You've got Ohio State. i got West State. Virginia plus seven. Ohio State, Ohio State minus, State minus six, six and a half. And Oregon plus three, yep. Oregon plus I like three. Them, Chad. That's, that's how I we're like rolling. That's how we're rolling in this thing. All right, let's jump over real quick. We'll uh, pass on the on the break um, and uh, slide right now into the NFL. Let's do our picks and then we'll talk about the the residual games. By the way, for those of y'all uh, waiting for high school football talk, Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com will join me at eleven fifteen here on the Gridiron Stud Show at eleven fifteen. So, thank you for listening. By the way, all right, let's talk NFL. Uh, what are our records? And whisper them, please, because we don't want everyone to hear it. Well, I gave our overall in the NFL. I'm in a whisper. I'm five and ten, and you're six and nine. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's we pretty, need to isn't it? That up. I need to. Yeah. I need to get back to to uh, four hundred here. I go first in the NFL, so let me spit these things out to you. Um, the Chicago Bears. Totally surprised me last week. I had Carolina in that ball game. I'm going to stick with them here because uh, they're taking on another team that surprised me last week. And I'm not buying it. I think New Orleans got their win because, you know what, Brett Hundley is not Aaron Rodgers. And so um, I think New Orleans might be, uh, be feeling uh, the wrong way about what it is they did last week. Yes, I know New Orleans is strong at home. Yes, I know Chicago has a rookie quarterback. And I know New Orleans is going to bring all kinds of fun to them. But I think I like Chicago to hang in here. They're doing a lot of good things. And uh, they're kind of, I don't want to say making it easy for Mitchell Trubisky, but they're they're making it uh, hard for teams to beat him and making it hard for Trubisky to have to be the one to put the team on his back because we all know that's a very difficult thing for uh, a rookie quarterback to do. So I like Chicago in this one. It's a huge number. It's New Orleans. There's a nine-point favorite in this contest. I'm going to take Chicago in the NFL. That's typically... Uh, a good way to go. I'm yes. going to take another big underdog. This would probably be the latest in the season that I would play a team like this. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to reserve my right on this final week in which to take teams like this to take the San Francisco 49ers. We all saw Philadelphia on Monday night. We know how that goes. Um, 
you perform really well in front of a national audience and there's extra cheese on your pizza the next week. Philadelphia is a 13-point favorite in this game. Up until last week um, in their blowout loss to Dallas, the San Francisco 49ers have been competitive uh, in just about every game save the first one. Um, they've lost. Well, they set an NFL record. They lost five straight games by three points or less. It's an NFL record. Yeah. I mean, they were playing competitive football. Yeah, I don't know what happened there last week. I guess they got a, a Dallas Cowboys team that was all greased up uh, off of the Monday night game. Uh, tough to get back into practice and get yourself ready to go. It's the San Francisco 49ers. You might ho-hum your way through the two days of practice that you're going to have if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. You may even sneak a look ahead to the Denver Broncos, and you just all forget about the 49ers. And the 49ers are itching for a win. They want to get off the schneid. They're 0-7. They want to win. They need a win. And if they get one against the Philadelphia Eagles, which a lot of people are trying to call the best team in the NFL right now, that's as good as two wins for the San Francisco 49ers. So it's 13-point underdogs. I really like the 49ers here. Um, this league's all about parity, and all the games come down to the final four minutes. This may be one of them. I like San Francisco here. And then the final one I'm going to take are the Buffalo Bills. They're home against the Oakland Raiders. Raiders... Um, off of, you know, an emotional win last week, to say the least. Um, last time they played was, you know, Thursday night. Um, 31-30 win over a divisional opponent. Um, they must have partied really hard. Um, uh, Marshawn Lynch went and celebrated by putting on the pads and running over some high school kids at their practice. Yes, I know he's suspended. But uh, eh, a little bit of a circus atmosphere there in Oakland. I don't like them here on a road game on the East Coast at 1 o'clock against the Buffalo Bills. Just don't like it. And the Bills um been playing solid football. I think they've been playing better football than any of us expected. So back-to-back road games, well-rested, well-prepared. I like Buffalo uh, as a two-and-a-half-point favorite is what I have them as here. So yeah. uh, I'm going with that. Bills two-and-a-half, 49ers plus 13, Bears plus nine. Well, that's, well, let's start off for me where we agree. Again, you and I share some picks this week. Um, I'm with you on the San Francisco pick. I certainly don't think the Eagles will lose the game outright, but I'm not so sure how motivated they're going to be. And if you're not motivated in the NFL, it's hard to cover two touchdowns, um, no matter how bad the opponent. The 49ers, you know, what you got here is a perfect storm. You got a team that you, you we talked about lost five games in a row by three points or less. The last time we saw them, the Dallas Cowboys were kicking their tails as I took the 49ers last week at home getting six. The Cowboys were kicking their tails up and down the field 40-10. to 10. You have the Eagles, uh, you know, everybody talking about 6-1, and one, Carson Wentz, and he was great Monday night. Now you got a 13-point spread. I just I think that's a lot to ask in this spot on a short week for the Eagles. I, I think the 49ers will have some pride here, and, uh, you know, I, I'll take They the better, or I'm not looking at them at all. For the rest no, of the if they don't if, if they don't play a competitive football game here, when the when the lines come out the same way, I see Cleveland, and if I'm not taking the other team, I I just consider Cleveland like not on the board. That's where San Francisco goes to if they don't play competitive here. I don't even consider yeah. them on the board anymore. Um, the next game I'm looking at, and uh, this pick might surprise some people. I like the Seattle Seahawks at at home giving five to the Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson's been spectacular. As anyone who listens to the show knows, Chad and I were both big fans of his coming into the league. He's a rookie, though. Yeah, he, he's one that he might lead the league in passer rating. I'm not sure if he still does, but it's well over 100. He's having a great season. But you know what? 
usually Seattle is not a kind place to bring a rookie quarterback. And the Seahawks, if they can still do one thing, it's play defense. And it's play pass defense. Uh, and in this spot, they may not score a ton of points offensively, but this has the feeling of one of those like 23-13 Seahawk wins to me. So I'm going to give the five points. I think the Seahawks get it done at home. Um, they need to because the Rams are leading the division, so they need to keep up with the Rams. So I got the Seahawks minus five. And then finally, I went against them last week. This week, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys minus two at Washington. Um, if the Cowboys are going to do anything this year, this is a game they have to win. The Redskins are down at least one lineman, maybe two. They, you know, they had a, a semi body bag game on Monday night with the Eagles. Short week. <laughs> body bag. You game. know, yeah. The Cowboys come home. Okay. Cow- the Cowboys go to Washington. The Redskins come home. There'll be people looking to jump a three and three Redskin team here, take points at home against their rivals. Uh, I think there's a big disparity in the talent on these rosters. So I'm going to take the Cowboys and lay the two. Man, you liking the Redskins to lose back-to-back division games, huh? I, I, I'm not a huge, like some people, I'm not a huge Kirk Cousins fan. Um, I think he's a check-down artist, and I think he gets a lot of yards if you watch Skins games, a lot of yards when they trail. I mean, he's a guy who will run the clock out for you. You get him down 14 points, he'll take his team on a nine-minute march to cover 90 yards and basically run the clock out for you. Oh, man, he Kirk can't find any love. Can't yeah, he find doesn't any need to find love for me. He's got 25 million reasons that he doesn't care. Okay, that's what he's getting paid this year. Hey, pride doesn't have a price tag, okay? Oh, what are you? This is this your coach speak? You're giving me pride doesn't have a price tag, Calamino. <laughs> uh, I got 11 more quotes sitting right here. I could drop on you. Uh, so save them for tonight. Me. Save them. Save them for the locker room, coach. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the rest of these games. Minnesota's playing Cleveland. Okay. Um, Atlanta is taking (laughs) the New York Jets. (laughs) I almost made this a pick, by the way. What? I I think there's something. You know, there's something wrong with the Falcons. Seriously, when you watch them this year. Vegas doesn't think so, though. I know, but let's go. Seriously, consider this for a second. Okay, here's the Falcons' schedule. You remember the first game at Chicago? They won 23 17. Yeah. easily could have lost that game. They trailed, they scored late. Their best game of the year they played against the Packers. They dominated them. Then they had the game against Detroit where they called Golden Tate down on the half-yard line where the mm-hmm. instant replay had to be run for like 10 minutes because it was like I thought it was a catch and completion. Honestly, I thought it was a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what a catch is anymore, but nonetheless, they won the game because the NFL agreed with them that he was down on the one. Okay. Right. Um, then they got beat at Buffalo or home against Buffalo, right? They lose mm-hmm. at home to the Dolphins. And then mm-hmm. last week, they got absolutely crushed against the Patriots, who, by the way, even after that performance, are still last in the league in defense, the Patriots, giving up 425 yards a game. They scored well, seven in garbage time. The Patriots have kind of cleaned things up the last few weeks. Right now, that, that rating ranking is them being victimized by their early performances. I understand that, but what I'm trying to say is a Falcons offense that was dynamic last year scored seven points in garbage time the week before, 17 against the Dolphins at home, 17 against the Bills at home. There's something not right here. And you're going on the road, and for all the fun we make of the Jets, they've been competitive all year. Uh, a little more than competitive. I mean, they've won games. I think they got cheated out of the uh, 
I think they got cheated out of the New England game. This is a three and four. Oh football. my God! Is that that whole thing with the touchback? I watched that replay the other day just for the sake of it. I had. To, I'm not kidding you when I tell you this. I had to do it five times in a row, and mm-hmm. I have no idea how you overturn that call in the booth if it's made as a touchdown on the field because there's nothing there to tell me that it was definitive that he fumbled that ball before he went in. Yeah, a terrible call though. Uh, you know when you dig a little deeper into the Jet season. Yeah, they're three and four, but these are wins over Miami, um, Jacksonville, and Cleveland. Yeah, and, but Jack, yeah. you can't sleep on Jacksonville. Jacksonville no, leads not the league in point I, differential. No, I saw that live last week. That's yeah, you can't sleep game. on Jacksonville. No. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. Carolina and Tampa Bay. Um, there's two teams I can't even figure out either. Tampa Bay's a little Jekyll and Hyde, and Carolina, you just never know what you're going to get each week. I think Carolina is closer to the Carolina we saw last year than they are the, the the Super Bowl team. I think they got out to a really good start, but if you really dig into what's going on there, many of the same issues that still plug that that team. They can't mm-hmm. they can't stretch the field vertically. Um, they won a game, you know, they opened the year. San Francisco was a win, then they played Buffalo and beat them nine three. Okay, that's not exactly dynamic. The Saints took right. them apart. Uh, you know. They got the win against New England, which I think probably gave them a little bit more uh, respect betting-wise than they deserve. We, you talked about it. New England had some issues defensively early. Uh, you know, last couple weeks, Philadelphia beats them at home. The Bears beat them 17-3. to I'd probably lean Tampa in this game. I think Tampa's got more talent than they're showing so far. Indianapolis and Cincinnati. Now, last week we had a caller, and we were talking about the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game, and you know, I was telling you how you were on my head about Cincinnati after the first two weeks, and they battled back with two wins, and now they've battled back with two losses. Um, if there's any way to get right uh, right now in the NFL, it's to play the Indianapolis Colts, who they're you know inviting over for uh, some Sunday afternoon tea. Um, and they're ten and a that half. That was Bryce, points. by the way, Bryce from Pittsburgh. If he's listening, yes. and I took the, the the Bengals. So Bryce, uh, I I apologize for going against your Steelers. Uh, they got the job done. You were right. Yeah, n- yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Cincinnati looks ripe for a win here, especially off of a. Nah, I would take the, the Colts here in this game. Here's the thing with this: Cincinnati's got a couple offensive linemen. They're banged up. If you watch that Steelers second half of the game, I mean, Dalton literally was not getting his back foot down to plant, and he was already under pressure. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I don't. When an NFL team gets embarrassed like the Colts did last week, I tend to want to take them when they're getting this kind of this kind of wood, uh, ten mm-hmm. and a half points. Because I think if the Colts have any kind of pride, uh, they got to come out here and, and at least put up a fight. Yeah, I got to do something. I can't figure out the Bengals. Um, they have a very good running back in Joe Mixon. Uh, I've been watching um, rather closely um, this week in particular. Damn good running back. You've got one of the top receivers in the game in A.J. Green. Um, you've got a good receiving court. You've got a lot of the things that you need, and you're out here fumbling around. It's like, I mean, I, I bought into it, and um, I don't know. It's like I ordered a large T-shirt and got, you know, small well, shorts. In the I don't so mean, yeah, I don't mean on? to state the obvious though with Cincinnati, and I, you know, I, I'm going to take a shot at the guy, but I, I think I think Dalton's one of those guys that he's competent in that. If he's your quarterback, you know, he'll, you you could be an eight win team, a ten win team some years. I just don't think he's a guy that's ever going to take them anywhere. He's been in the league long enough to not do some of the boneheaded things he does. 
yet there's still days I turn on the Bengals and he's throwing two and three interceptions, and they're not off tip passes. They're, you know, wrong guy, wrong read, throw, you know, throw it to the linebacker who's, you know, undercutting a route, throw it. You know, he just, I don't know. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Andy Dalton fan. Well, I can see that, and there aren't a ton of people who are. So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to accomplish in this game. Charles have a big injury, folks. By the way, you know, I just want to talk about uh, Malik Hooker is out for the season, correct? ACL, MCL? Yeah. Um, you know, Bad again, injury. I was at the game live last week. Hated to see that. Hated to see that. Because I know the road that this kid's got to go on to get back and to have that happen in your first experience um, in the NFL in your first season just really, really sucks. But part of the game, so he's going to have to battle back. But, yeah, that is a, a, a big and a key injury. For the Colts, Patriots, you buying what they've been doing lately? They got the Chargers at home, solid seven-point favorites. Well, as long as they're there, as long as the, the combo of Belichick and Brady are together, I'm never writing the Patriots completely off. I'm not completely buying uh, the defensive renaissance yet. I mean, they took a big injury themselves this week. Uh, high towers out the season, um, and that that's that's a big injury for them. Um, and you know, you could say what you want. They got the turnovers in the Jets game. They won the game, but the Jets still had 400 yards of offense, which in the NFL is a lot. Um, and the Jets are not an offensive juggernaut, and they were not garbage yards that they got in a game that was a blowout. It was a 24-17 game. So the Jets are moving the ball on the Patriots. I'm not so sure the Patriots' defense is all the way back. I think the Chargers have quietly put together a nice streak of three in a row. And if you pull apart their their, their schedule, there's a team – that lost the first two games of the year because they don't have a field goal kicker. The kid in, uh, missed the kick to tie it and send it to overtime against Denver, and then he missed the one against Miami to win the game. So this is a team that could easily be 5-2. Why and two. is it always some BS like that with, with you know, the Chargers? Um, like there's some kind of way that you're going to lose the game at the end. You know, like enough is enough already. But I'm with you. Uh, I don't like the Patriots as seven-point favorites here. You, nope. know, you got a couple of uh, silly wins. Then, you know, your next game, it, albeit with some time, um, you're going to be playing the Denver Broncos. Um, the Chargers play a whole lot better away from the quote-unquote home than yeah. they do at that soccer or cricket stadium that they have them playing. And I guess they just don't like being there. Um, their wins... Because they hear crickets. There's nobody in the stadium. I mean, it's like... <laughs> well, no one that's there to cheer for them. All these rival fan bases turn it into a, a mini holiday and show up in droves. For the team they're playing against, uh, two of their three wins have been on the road at New York, at Oakland, and then uh, stunning. Well, and keep an eye this week. You know, a lot of fans on the East Coast don't pay attention to anything west of the Mississippi. The Chargers are one of those teams that have two young players that can really get after the quarterback in Ingram and, and Boza. Okay, there's two mm-hmm. guys here that are, you know, 15-sack type of players. Right. So, you know, if this is a game where if, if your offensive line is not having a good day – or you don't have a good offensive line, your quarterback can have a really long day. So that will determine this game. If you know, Obviously, if the Patriots can't get those guys blocked, I think the Chargers have an excellent chance at an upset here. Yeah, and I like teams off of a shutout win uh, as heavy underdogs the next week, and that's exactly what we have here. All right, and then finally on Sunday night, Pittsburgh and Detroit. Um, I don't know how good you feel about the Cincinnati win for Pittsburgh last week, but... Um, Vegas thinks it's enough to make them a road favorite against Detroit. Well, you know, I, I took the Pittsburgh was my pick to win the Super Bowl. And as I watched the season unfold, 
you know, you would think I'd feel great about it with the last two wins against Kansas City and, and Cincinnati, but actually they scare me, the Steelers, a little bit. Um, you know, I think I think they're heavily reliant on Bell to the point that he's on pace right now between his rushing attempts and, and receiving attempts to challenge the all-time NFL record for touches in a season by James Wilder. There's a name from the past, 1984, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, touched the ball 492 times. You and I have discussed, when you go over that 400 mark, the rest of your career usually isn't too good. So they mm-hmm. need to either slow down the amount of you know touches they're giving to Bell, or they're going to ride this horse into the sunset. And I just, I, when a team gets that reliant on one player, it scares me because if he gets hurt or he has a bad day, you know, and this is a game where the Lions had a couple weeks to get ready for it. The Steelers are coming off a division win. I'm tempted to say I like the Lions plus three here. Yeah, I'm on the other side of this. Pittsburgh's doing what they need to do. They're establishing their winter identity, and that is giving the ball to Le'Veon Bell. I don't know what he'll be after this season, but in this current season, they're giving him the ball, and he's getting it done, and it's also preventing the opponent from having opportunities. Kansas City, 13 points. Cincinnati, 14 points. Both of these games are on the heels of them giving up 30 and losing to Jacksonville. So I think Pittsburgh has shifted their identity here a little bit. And you know what? If someone decides that they're going to take Bell out, it's not like you don't have Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster and all these other guys that they can go to. Um, And there's something that's troubling me for Detroit. Detroit, in their last four games, has forced nine turnovers, six in the last three, and and they can't find ways to win the game. When you force three turnovers in a game, you're supposed to win football game um and in the nfl if you're plus three in turnover differential the win rate's over 90 percent by the way yeah um and 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 you know they've done that three times in in the last four games they've forced three turnovers and all they have to show for it is one win that's a troubling sign you're i don't know that you're going to turn pittsburgh over like that so i like the steelers here in this one and um yeah, not a heavy pick, obviously, but but you know I do like. No, I, and I don't feel I don't feel like you know like if you and I were sitting in a bar right now and you were having your tomato juice because I know you don't drink and I was having bourbon because I do drink and you you know <laughs> we were going to bet on the game you could convince me to go with you so we could sit together and root for the Steelers so you know I'm not yeah that or thing. we could just <laughs> flip the coin and if Washington's Correct. head turns up we'll just and I'd be happy collection. that you were only drinking tomato juice because then if I'm buying you drinks it's not costing me a lot and there's more for me. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, what's tomato juice cost these days? We'll have to look into that. We'll Google that. But nevertheless, uh, for those of you out there that were here for that portion um, of the uh, of the show, it is now over. It's time for us to talk about high school football. So Joshua Wilson is going to join me after the break. Uh, Amol is going to take off and have his bourbon and enjoy the weekend. And, not uh, we yet. Now, come on. Go. I'm not a degenerate. It's not new. On the job, man. <laughs> hey, listen, there's a bottle in your drawer. Let everyone know that. Okay, go ahead and pour up. <laughs> Pour up. Have All a right. good Amos weekend, out. everybody. Enjoy. Yeah, Amos out. I'm going to a break when we're back. High school football talk when we uh, get back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. 
turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! The Macho Man Randy Savage is not a happy, unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. Outside interference. Yeah, I'm living in a nightmare. But the cream will rise to the top for oh, you. Yeah. I am the cream. Yeah, let me say it to you. Let me say it out loud. The cream of the crop. I am the cream. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop! I'm on my way. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. Nobody does it better. That was Macho Man Randy Savage. The cream will rise to the top. I bet a lot of you wrestling fans out there don't know that Randy Macho Man Savage was a baseball player back in the day. Can you believe that? Can you believe that wild man uh, being a baseball player? Yeah, that was him in the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and Chicago White Sox organization. Just, you know, a little something I'm throwing out there to you because we aim to please. We bring knowledge here to the show. All right, we're going to bring knowledge on Florida high school football right now, and as he does uh, every week, Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com is joining me here on the Gridiron Stud Show. 6A football in Dade County. How about that, Joshua Wilson? Uh, That was crazy last night, Chad. I I looked at that score. I'm like, what in the world did Norland do? But, hey, hats off to him. You know, that hands down goes as the upset of the week. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. At first, it seemed like the game was going the way I guess many would have expected it to go. Northwestern was your favorite, especially on the heels of the big win over Central. And then uh, the tide turned in a very, very big way in this game. And now it's, uh, it's, it's pretty much assured, is it not, Joshua, that all four of these teams are going to be in the playoffs. We, and I don't know how this is going to shake out, but we could have, we could have matchups between all, all four of these teams in the second round. Am I correct on that? We can have matchups between a couple, at least two of them in the first round. So that's, uh, you know, again, you know, you're taking four 
I mean, it, it, the all reality, it, four four teams are coming out of six a sixteen. That's the. That's, I, go ahead and book it in hell. I booked it at the start of the season. I booked it when this format was coming out. Six a sixteen is going to take four. Norland Norland sealed the deal on that one right there by doing that. What they did to Northwestern. I mean, that's a. That's points for them, big points for them. That's gonna boost them, you know. I mean, could could, could they could they jump a, could they jump Carroll City maybe for, for in, in the in the position maybe so? Could they? Uh, I mean, jump even like a team like Matanzas or you know in, in this in this particular case they probably could because I mean you're looking at it right now, four teams from six A sixteen. 6A13 is going to take two. 14 and 15 are only taking their district champion at this point because of, of, of the way the numbers are looking. But it's really in this particular case, it's just, I mean, right now the projections had, had, it, had it looking like it was going to be a Norland versus Northwestern rematch in round one. Well, we'll see what happens next week when the points come out because that's going to probably change. That could, I mean, let me let me pull that up here real quick because yeah, I mean, going really... into last night's game because I have it right here in front of me. Going into last night's game, this was these were the projected pairings if the uh, playoffs would have start um, last right. night before we had what we had. We we would have had Norland against Miami Northwestern as your eight right. versus one, Central versus Dillard as your five versus four, Cal City versus Mainland uh, six versus three, um, Mantanzas against Heritage. But that's going to change, I believe. Oh, that's going to change. I mean, you talk about a potential chance of where, you know, you know, a Norland could go up to Heritage or a Norland could even go up to Mainland. I mean, the thing is, is that it, right now looking at it, Miami Central and Dillard, I think that matchup is pretty much going to happen because of the numbers that Central's gotten and the fact that Dillard is not going to be able to catch anybody else that's already clinched their district in terms of the points because Dillard's just sitting so low right now. And it's just, I think, again, the schedule for Dillard, it's just not as strong as what everybody else has had in that region. And that I mean, again, it, it's, this is send region. This is, this is going to send region four bracket into a frenzy. And we're, we're not going to know until Sunday, 11, five, when they revealed the brackets. I mean, that's just going to be, you know, everybody's going to be on edge. I mean, it, it's, you know, someone questions, you think this is the, ups- no, you think this is the upset on, you know, Norland doing what they did to Northwestern. Like, no, it's, 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 it's not that I think it's, it is. I mean, you, you you label any other upset from this season so far to the point, might as well just forget it. This is the upset. Yeah. I mean, this is this no doubt, this no doubt about it. But you know what? It's you say that Joshua, but um, at least for folks down this way, it was not an impossible thing. Um, Norland's a solid football team. They're all from the same area. It could happen, and it did. Oh, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean. Just, just. But the thing is, is that you know our buddy Joe Pinkos had Northwestern as a twenty-two point favorite. So yeah, maybe we could blame it on Pinkos. He got Norland all riled up. Hey, probably so. I mean, I think it's just you know you look you look at it, it's like, oh, Norland one and two in district, and all of a sudden now they're two and two in district. You know, it's like you look at it, and it's like, oh, we lost to Central and Carroll City, but you know, the, uh, those were tight games anyway. So I mean, I guess I guess it's safe to, the, the, it's safe to say the storm was brewing, and it's just the, it, it, it finally it, it, the, the the storm just unleashed itself last night. Yeah, well, when you look at six A, you have to be six A sixteen. Uh, just the six a whole the whole classification. Uh, you have to now become a fan of um, the new playoff system that we have. That you you know allowing those four oh, great teams to get a. in. There. No, yeah, that's a, it, five, if five, they ever want to point as this thing working, uh, whoever invented it, whoever pushed for it, you just point to six a. 
I'm, I'm pointing to six, and you look at it, and you, you know, you look at the state championship schedule since they finally set the times for all the games, and Classics A took the night game away from seven A because <laughs> I, I hate to sorry, 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 people, but uh, everybody started seeing the same time as Aquinas blow teams out on the night game. It's a bore. So, yeah, it's yeah. a bore. You got to. I agree with that one hundred percent. You know, uh, no one wants to see a lopsided game there. Um, in no. 7A. 7A is just not where it's at right now. Uh, you could blame that on St. Thomas being like Alabama or whatever, but um, yeah, definitely a good move there. At least the folks up there in the state are thinking, you know what I mean? Just before, the, you know, a couple of years ago, I was calling them Bush League uh, just for a lot of the ways they did things, but I, I, have to, I don't know if there's new blood there, Josh, you would know, but there's whether there's new, new... There's been some or, new blood coming in the last couple of years. There's been some new... There's been some new, some, some changes, and it's... Good. People are know, using it, their heads up there and making it more fan-friendly because we need fans at these high school football games in Florida. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I tell you what, it's it, that's just... It, that's it right there. It's one thing, but... um. I mean, you know, I'm looking at the whole, the whole entire picture of what this week was the thing because there's a lot of just in the state with the, with five eight eight eight. I mean, I mean, not to discount one eight four right, with no districts, but you know, in the five eight through eight eight this week, just the district games, a lot of them that are district titles on that are basically on edge. I mean, well, let me delay us by- getting let me let me delay us getting into that talk because prior to what happened last night, the big talk down here in South Florida, especially Dade County, was what's going on with Booker T. Washington and how they're gonna apparently find themselves on the outside looking in of this playoff race and not not make it. Um talk a little bit about that and how they're sitting at home and what really could Booker T have done different to not be in this position right now outside of, you know, Stuff you can't control. Well, Your quarterback to, got hurt, but what, what could they have done differently? They they could have won. They needed to win at least a couple of those games that they you know if everybody says schedule tough. But then, when 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 was it that Booker T didn't schedule tough in other years? I mean, Did they schedule too tough talk, though, given this new playoff system. They they, I mean, just thinking about it. I mean, they pull up the schedule here i mean it's just you know i think one of the other things that's just really hurting them here is the fact they didn't reschedule that game against southridge now they're mm-hmm. in a position where you know okay you might beat evans you know here in, in this situation let me let me you know because i mean right now i mean you look at a booker t of 35 point favorite over evans that should be a gimme right there for him but mm-hmm. that game against southridge booker t knows that southridge can be beat carol city did it well can they do it the question right. is, they didn't reschedule it. Now the question is, should they find a way to squeeze and reschedule that game in sometime next week? Is it now, too late to do that? It, it, it's not actually no. It's not too late because we're going to have games being made up all the way through next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is this is. It's not too late, but in Booker T's in, in Booker T's mind, they they would probably want to reschedule that game. Southridge. Mm, not so much because you look at certain things, you know, because, you know, here's Southridge in a position, you know, tonight, you know, you got, you got South Dade, you win, you beat South Dade, you're in the playoffs. So in Southridge's mind, are they going to want to take that game? I mean, could it hurt their True. point average? Could it help their point average? I mean, that's the thing, you know, do they want to find a way to reschedule it? And that's a, that's a big tough question. And I think, you know, in Booker T, you know, they, they, they should have found a way to reschedule. They should have, Found the and I think we we may hear rumblings depending on what. Well, what here's happens, a rough you know. for Booker T though. Here's the part we're really not talking about. You lost your quarterback, so um, well, not, yeah, I know you got a lot of school pride, 
truth of the matter is you're probably not going to go as far as you want to go if you if you make it into the playoffs without Daniel Richardson. So uh, it's just kind of one of these seasons for Booker T. But also a lesson to uh, everyone else with scheduling. I mean, scheduling just becomes so super important in 1A through 4A. You want it tough, but not, you know, you got to be careful also because a lot of these schools don't have a ton of depth. So while you're out here trying to grab these 5A through 8A opponents to boost your, your point uh, totals, you can get beat up in these games and, 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 start, and start yourself a nice little losing streak. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, and that's what's that's what's kind of hurt them right there is that the fact that you know they've gone through that you know with, with this thing the scheduling. But I mean, I have to say they you, you still even scheduling you still need to win a couple of those. I'm not saying you have to win every single one of those tough games. You need to win a couple of them. And in the sure. cases that they they did not do that, you know, I mean they come up with a couple short against Columbus. I mean that. I mean that was I probably the hurt, one that hurt the most. That probably yeah, hurt, that one's. That hurts the most. Yeah, that's probably the one that hurt it, that, that hurt the most. They needed to get Cause that. Because in that case, Chad, that could have been a fifty-point mm-hmm. game for, and that could have sure. been, that could have been. The, and that's right there. That particular game. That's the difference between being on the outside looking on the outside looking in at, at six in your region, and being mm-hmm. somewhere between three and four. I mean, you, you you talk about the best team having the chance to slip slip past like a goal over, the goal over prep right there on the mm-hmm. on the edge. That's Glade Central. It's not Booker T. Washington. I mean, yeah. So it's so it's funny if you want to say if you're a big proponent of the new playoff system and you want to point to it working, you point to six A. If you're a detractor of this new system, you go to four A and say, hey, look. I mean, look at this here. We we need to do some tweaking here. But, How are we in a situation where where Pace and Gulliver Prep are in Key West is in, although they're having a great year, and Booker T. is on the outside looking in glade central is on the outside looking in i think that's where you'd probably have the most ruckus being made in in 4a yeah i mean that's that's the thing right there it's just, it, that's exactly the situation but again i go back to booker t when daniel when, when richardson was healthy not going down before the you know going down during the shaman Amanada game mm-hmm. like richardson still you know the, the, those those games you know right there they played you know those couple of games you know they could have figured out you know okay columbus they came up short by a couple points that one really hurts you know you could have figured out okay well you know you can beat miami central in most years so what why didn't you what happened you know it's you know again and then carol city you know they just kind of fell flat against you know it's really again Mm -hmm. it's just it's you know you've got to win some of those games but you know even the question of that is is there been a talent drop off at booker t besides you know in, in the case you know that's a good question, you know, because, you know, I mean, you can only split so much so much of the pie between Booker T, Central, Northwestern, Norland, you know, I mean, across those schools right in that particular area. Yeah, you, you, is there a talent drop-off? There'll be a number of questions. It's kind of like, you know, we're, we're older guys here. I just remember at the end of soap operas uh, back in the day where they would start asking all these questions and tell you to tune in next week. Well, I think uh, Booker T is going to be doing that at the end of the season, and, and, asking and all gotta, those tough questions and trying to find answers. I, yeah, right. And, and, and I got to throw this out, you know, because, you know, I mean, a lot of people, you know, especially people, you know, that don't remember that, you know, hey, the, when it was dealing with playoffs before 1993, only the district champ went. Right. There was none of this wild card stuff. There was no runner up going. If you're a, you could be nine and one and be runner up and not go to the playoffs. And there was many instances of that. 
Oh, yeah, and, you know, folks down here in Dade County would would, would, uh, be up in arms about it because, you know, Dade County was kind of the big deal uh, back in the day. And, you know, the biggest argument was, well, we beat each other up down here. Um, And then, you know, what do we have left when we get up the road and some of our best teams aren't able to make it there. And so, yeah, I I definitely remember that being being an issue. Um, Here's something about the playoff system. You know, as I said, uh, a lot of times it's just the head coach that knows what's going on. If, or the athletic director sometimes is the one that knows. And the, you know, the, the head coaches are just like, whatever we win games, we get in uh, and they don't get too much into uh, the ins and outs of the playoff system. So now is it my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong here, that uh, as you go through the tournaments in, in, in these, in the playoff system, how do they do the home and away? Is it the, the higher point total is the home team? Uh, all the way through could we have could we have a team play all home games all the way to the championship okay higher seed host in the in the in the in the, in the regional bracket so first three rounds for what 5a through 8a first two rounds through 1a through 4a so the higher seed host when it comes to when it comes to the state semifinal the team between the two teams so if you, you could have two number one seeds meet up in the state semifinal okay the number one seed coming out of their region that particular point becomes whoever had the highest point average at the end of the regular season. So gotcha. they'll look at the hot, they'll look at the point totals there. So yes, there is a very, very, very good chance that we're going to see a lot of teams, especially your ones and your potentially twos that could be home through the entire stretch of the playoffs until they go to Orlando. So that means they're not having to book a bus until they have to go to Orlando. Well, you know, I, obviously, obviously, I think that's awesome because us American Heritage sitting there at forty six point one seven points, um, and you know, as we continue to win through oh, these playoffs, uh, we have a very good chance of uh, being the home team all the way through. Oh, that's exactly it. And that's, that's a good example is Plantation American Heritage right there. I mean, forty six, and I don't think anybody's going to catch y'all anyways for for that one seat. That, that y'all, y'all pretty much that, that's under wraps pretty much in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That right there, you know, you talk about not having to go book the bus because oh well, the line of the bracket tells you this that you have to go. No, you're you're one. Right. The number, the the seed. I mean, I, this what's make things exciting. The reward is that okay, you're the higher seed, you get the host. Well, if you're an eight seed, better start booking your bus if you're going to make it through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a tougher road. I was going to ask you how you feel about that. Do you think that's you think that's a good thing? Should it be that way? Or did you like the previous oh, format where you flip flop? I absolutely, I absolutely, have, I like this because in, in this case, it's you know, why should why should a why should a number one seed that's undefeated have to go on the road to play a team that has three losses and didn't you know? In, in my opinion, it, that's mm. you know, it, it it I really you know believe the higher seed you know this is the way it should be done. This is this is. Mm. You know, I was never like, oh, playing your next door neighbor district like that, you know, knowing that you're going to know your playoff opponent two weeks out. No, you're going to know your playoff opponent five days before. Now. Right. I yeah. Mean, no, I no, know. I do. I do like that. I, I do like that. And it, and it does also reward you for scheduling tough. Yeah, and it does. And, and, and really, I, you know, some coaches are like, well, we're going to lose a day of film, blah, blah, blah. I really, really, in my, in my opinion, that's the. Don't don't throw those excuses out at me. You you really want the two? Some really would like to have the full two weeks to know prepare for their playoff opponent. Uh, no, come on. This is you know, someone. That's where we get. Sometimes I feel like teams get unfair advantages. Five day window. Know your next opponent. Get ready. 
and the next, you know, then you 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 watch the bracket and you know who your opponent is the next week and get get on with it. Yeah, and then like get to work. You know exactly, exactly. Listen, Josh, I'd love to build this thing up, um, and and get it all cranked up and get everyone going for this big District Seven A fourteen matchup tonight with the district title on the line. Um, undefeated in the district, Blanche Ely High School against undefeated in the district, St. Thomas Aquinas. Pinko says St. Thomas by 43. Just threw sand all I, over I that. Can't, I can't. I can't. I can't hype it up. There's just no way. There's no, absolutely no way I can hype that up at all because it's just, I mean, that's just, uh, that game has Aquinas written all over it. You, you, and call this, the running and this, and this, Josh, is because we've talked about this in years past. This is why you have this new playoff system. So you don't have a situation where the top two teams make it, and you have an Ely making it in just because they're better than yeah, Fort Lauderdale. Because. Oh, yeah, just because. And that's, that's exactly what it's showing is that Aquinas will be the only team getting out of that district, you know, okay? But, you know, you look at 7A-16, two, you know, down the, down the road there in Miami-Dade, I mean that district. I always that, that district. I potentially circled as a team as a district that could take three. But you know, there's a potential that seven a fifteen may take three and seven a sixteen may take two because, hey, it's tight. hello West Broward, hello West Broward. But look what you did. You know, you, you created a whole different scenario for for that district now by beating Nova like that. So I mean, I mean, not only beating Nova, but beating Nova in the fashion you did. Yeah, and then listen, um, Cooper City's close. Uh, Palm Beach Lakes, of course, this whole region four is tight. I mean, from St. Thomas on down, Dwyer and St. Thomas are super close. Right. And that, that's the thing. And then you got South Broward, who has two district losses, but they're sitting there looking pretty to potentially, you know, to get in the, potentially get in the playoffs because of their schedule as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's no, the thing. It's, it, it's the big thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know who's licking their chops in 7A? It's Venice, who's sitting there with a higher point total. Uh, than oh, St. Yeah. Thomas right now. And you, we can't forget what happened last year. St. Thomas beat them, and there were some upset people, um, fans, uh, parents, to be specific, from Venice uh, would be absolutely licking their chops at uh, appearing down the road between them and St. Thomas where they would have the opportunity oh, to be the home team. Oh, yeah, that is the case right there. You know, the Venice is going to – I mean, they they got to be looking their – you're right. they got to be looking their chops on this one. It's like, ooh, we can't wait. They don't have to come here if that's the case. If we have the higher point average, obviously. You know, yeah. again, you want to talk about a matchup that's going to be gassed up, it would it would definitely be that. That thing would be on fire. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's definitely the case there on that one. But, I mean, it's just – it's again, it's really just, you know, four – for in that instance, Venice, you know, Venice has just got to win out, you know, then pray St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, one, one of their opponents, you know, especially like, you know, the Fort Lauderdale, you know, slips their next two games and loses them, you know, that, you know, that would hurt the point average right there. So, sure. you know, that, you know, for Venice, they would be looking, you know, looking at the thing, uh, no offense, Aquinas, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just the way that you're the beast with these games. I haven't had a chance to see them this year. How good is Dwyer? And is Dwyer good enough to give St. Thomas a fight to get out of the, uh, this this I, region? I just don't see it with Dwyer. Dwyer is, you know, I mean, they they, they I mean they they only returned two starters. One ended up being injured during right before the season started, so that only left them really technically one starter returning. I mean, I, mean, I think you know it seems like it, they've gotten along during the season. They've they've kind of improved themselves, which seems to be typical Dwyer. But they're not going to be 
I don't think they're going to match up to Aquinas level in, in terms of being able to knock Aquinas off in, in the sense of keeping Aquinas away from potentially making a run to Orlando. That's the thing. But, you know, it, it, I mean, I, I was still concerned, was still kind of concerned when Dwyer lost to Olympic Heights, but then, you know, you know Dwyer wins tonight. They clinched the district because Olympic Heights has sl- dropped two district games. So it's really, it's that district, you know, I mean, I, to be, to be honest, I mean, you know, it, can we talk about a little bit about Forest Hill and the season they're having? Because hey, when is the last time we talked about Forest Hill being potentially a you know a playoff team? That's been a long time there on that one. And so it's again, mm-hmm. but you know if you're if you're looking at, I would say the team that has the best chance of knocking Aquinas off is not sitting in Region Four. It's sitting mm-hmm. in Region Three. That's the team we just talked about. That defense. Right. Exactly. Look, yeah. Not not to mention all the motivation they would have behind a rematch with them. Um, oh, so yeah. there's, there's a lot working behind the scenes there. And, and, uh, this is, uh, just one other reason to get all excited about the playoffs that are coming. You know what I also like about the system? Uh, when I look at eight, eight, 12, um, in any other season, a team like Western who doesn't, they're not a perennial winner, um, is having a great season and may still would have still found themselves on the outside looking in at the playoffs has a chance to get in here. Uh, by virtue oh, of this yeah. point system and the way they've beaten teams and, and uh, the kind of schedule they played, we might get three out of eight, eight, twelve with Miramar Plantation and Western. Oh, oh yeah, and that's the thing. But uh, you know, if if Western pulls the upset on uh, Miramar tonight, that you know sets up a situation of a three-way tie. And who's looking? That's going to be a right really now. good game. That's a big-time game. I don't know if people realize oh, that. That's a big-time game. Tonight. Oh yeah, if Western does pull it off on Miramar. That would actually set up for Plantation to take the district, not Miramar, not Western. Because <laughs> look right. at Plantation's point average. I mean, it's it's higher than Miramar's right this second. And if that's the case, exactly. you know, that's. And, and, but it's still that district. You know, them to take you know, take three. That's pretty good. I mean, eight, eight, eleven. Deerfield Beach being the only team potentially going. That's I, I, yeah. That's that's. There's no questions about that. You know, I mean, it, it could, you know, you you look at a. You, you look at Monarch, and Monarch was basically being overhyped. You know, I mean, when Deerfield blew, right. Deerfield blew him out, we, we knew that was the case. It, it was just that, you know, their point average was favoring them to start with, and then, of course, played Deerfield, and that changed everything. Yeah, the three versus six matchup in this region um, is going to be a pretty good one. Four and five and three and six in this, in this uh, region is going to be a very uh, nice matchup. Good football there to see, no, no doubt about it. All right, like we do every week, uh, tell us three games tonight we really need to pay attention to as we're out and about. Well, you, you gotta you gotta keep an eye on that Central Carroll City game, even though it's not for a district championship or anything. It's still huge in determining basically for wild card seating and stuff in that region in Region Four. So that is definitely. Josh, a, is there any situation where one of those four teams now um, could not make it in? Is there any scenario where that could I, possibly happen? They would, they would basically just have the rest of the. They would have to drop the game this tonight's game and the next week if they've got anything left on the schedule and and, and or, or or somebody else in, in outside you know, in the other districts all of a sudden just turns mm-hmm. on the Jets and wins their next two games and in, 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 in that sense you know that's but I, I still think I still think there's four coming out of that district it's it's no nah, it's I'm not questioning myself on that it's just you know I, yeah. I, I I I did I did say I was eating crow last night for the game last night but okay that's that's besides the point I'm saying that all well, at this point we, a lot of people were. 
Which weren't you weren't by yourself on that, no doubt about it. No. Well, uh, Pinko says Carroll City by one, so that just lends itself to this being a big time game tonight. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure on that one. But uh, that, that's a big time right there. Um, what this one, this next one, I'm going to point out. This one really people should really keep an eye on because, I mean, I mean West Orange got a popka two weeks ago. Now it kind of comes to crosstown rival uh, showdown between Wakaiva and Apopka. Wakaiva's never beaten Apopka. This is Wakaiva's best chance to knock off Apopka. Wakaiva almost pulled it off last year, but here, here is your best chance to, to, to pull the upset on Apopka, take the district away from them, send Apopka the to the wild card ranks. Wakaiva takes the you know, that that game is going to be huge setting up there in 8A Region 1. It's, it's just a huge game. It's really hands down. Is you know is is is, is Apopka letting their guard down? They should not let their guard down against Wakaiva because Wakaiva is not an easy team now. I mean, it might have been your homecoming ten years ago, not anymore. Yeah, um, things have definitely changed for them there, and this sounds like that's going to be a, a war there in Central Florida. Oh, uh, for sure, that it will be definitely be one of those war war games there in that case. But uh, taking taking a little trip down I four over to Lakeland, there's that Sebring versus Lake Gibson game, a six A that six A runner up Lake Gibson from last year. Man, uh, it, this is not a good position for Lake Gibson to be in because if Lake Gibson loses this game, you can basically write you can basically say here you go here is the first here's the first team out that that made a state championship game last year that is not making the playoffs. That's I mean, a tough they, position they, to be in. Talk about your back against the they, wall. Yeah, and Sebring's pretty good this year, and that's the thing. And you know, like what people like Gibson like they're just like, no, we're gonna make the play. I'm like, you don't understand that you lose one more game, you're done. <laughs> this is not how the point you you gotta understand. You just that's why you have this is why critical it's win the district here. But I mean Bingo our buddy Bingo's uh, got got Sebring favored by ten. In this game, so it's that's a huge one right there for 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 Lake Gibson to win. But Sebring is going Sebring is going to bring it on because they're undefeated. Yeah, um, Lake Gibson, man, that's that's uh, they better they better get it together somehow. Maybe they do pull the upset. Maybe Sebring might be a little bit not prepared for this game. Who knows? That we we and hey and the game is at Lake Gibson, so I mean that's that, that's going to be you know the Lake Gibson's got the home field advantage, but can they can they win the game? That's the well we'll find out tonight. And then, uh, again, you know, yeah, and you know when you find the- yourself in this position, um, you and you've lost some games, you know you know what's at stake. Uh, you know the point totals. You know what losing this game would do. That. Nothing will get you up to date on and reading the rules and all the ins and outs of this new playoff system than losing a, a couple of games the way Lake Gibson has. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, and that's the thing. And, again, you, you apply it to any team. You know, I mean, not just like Gibson, Booker T, and a couple of the other teams. You know, it's just you lose that one game or that other game. You know, it's like – I mean, another. I mean, I mean, I'll throw another team out here in this particular case that has lost a couple. That you know, I mean, it's it's really concerning. And you know, it's a team that was a state semifinalist last year that played Carroll City, and that's Charlotte. Charlotte mm. might not make the playoffs this year. I mean, that it, it tells you, you know, that yeah, it's a brand new ball game get, out there. It's a brand new ball game. You have to win these games, and that's the big thing. You've got to win them. You can't just sit there and think, oh, I can drop this game. And You can't treat your non-district games like a non-district game anymore. You have to treat it like it's a district game. You have to treat it like it is. Which, again, is another good thing. You know, you can't go and stink it up and then, oh, you know, we'll just win our district. 
Um, every game counts. Next week matters. Week eleven matters, and those that, everything you can you're not going to see teams rest their starters now. That is not possible now. If you're playing next week, you're not resting your starters because, in, in the case that you okay, you know you're going to the playoffs. But you know that, you know, if you drop that game, that's a matter of difference between a one seed, two, or even three and four if you're a district champ. Or it might be even for you if you're between five and eight. That's a matter of you getting into the playoffs. No, you cannot rest your starters. And that's what I think, in that in my mind, it's going to lead to a better first round this year in terms of games being closer, not so many blowouts. There, there probably will be a couple. Don't I won't eliminate that potential. Mm-hmm. But we're going to see a lot more games in the first round be closer because the starters did not have that week of rest knowing that they're already in the playoffs in that sense. Yeah, uh, and I, I would have to agree with you there, and that just all makes it very, very exciting. So those are the three games we really need to be paying attention to tonight. Tell everyone how they can follow you uh, tonight and, and stay up to date on not only these games but all of the games that matter across the state of Florida. Well, Twitter, my intern will be tweeting, helping to get the tweet scores on the FLAHS football, which uh, didn't, you got Facebook, FordHS football, and FordHSfootball.com scoreboard show on NFHSnetwork.com, Varsity Sports Network tonight at 10 Eastern. So they'll have all the score updates powered by our scoreboards on ScoreStream. So we'll, we'll keep you updated. There was a bunch of games last night, so we'll have a bunch of score updates. We'll get through the scores uh, from Thursday night first on uh, tonight's show, and then uh, – Get ready, and uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of stuff for the playoffs. So it's hey, it's it, it, the, the the fun time of year is coming, right? It's it's knocking on the door. Yeah, the cool air is out. The playoffs are coming around the corner, and um, there are plenty of great ways for us to stay up to date on what's going on across the state. Josh, thank you very much for joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show, man. Enjoy the games tonight. Hey, appreciate it, Chad. Have a good one. All right. Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com. Again, a multitude of ways to follow all of the coverage on the big games across the state tonight as we're getting close to the playoffs here in the state of Florida. Things are winding down, and people are trying to uh, get get in, get their foot in the door and get into the tournament. Uh, I really love the new playoff system. It makes things a whole lot more exciting. Uh, there may be a couple of tweaks that they need to make, but overall I think it's been a success, even with a couple of hurricanes uh, kind of ruining things. I think this is uh, great. I, I agree with Josh. The first round games are going to be a heck of a lot more competitive and exciting. And uh, anything I think that brings excitement to high school football down here and can get people in the stands, I'm all for it. And I think this new playoff system does that. Well, all right. Hey, listen, it's the end of another great show. We've, uh, we've, we've done our job here on the show today. We've covered college football. We covered NFL football. We covered high school football in depth. So y'all ready for your weekend of football, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You're all set up. The picks are in, uh, the previews are in, and you're all set to go. So for all of you listening to the Gridiron Stud Show, thank you for listening. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you again next week on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hey, man, how many offers do you have? Well, I got about 10. Miami, Florida, Florida State, Auburn, USC, and more. How many you got? None yet. None? (laughs) Is this you?
Are you sitting there with no offers whatsoever? Are you a good football player? Then head over to gridironstuds.com right now. At Gridiron Studs, you can create your own profile for free and post your highlight video. College football coaches are visiting gridironstuds.com on a daily basis looking for prospects. But they won't find you if you're not there. Don't keep your talents on the field a secret. Put up your free profile right now on gridironstuds.com and get college football coaches' eyes on you. Visit us now at gridironstuds.com or follow us on Twitter at gridironstuds. Gridironstuds.com. Make yourself be seen. 